How to Tell Stories to Children is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the science and methodology of storytelling. I am Silke Rose West. And I am Joseph Saracy. We are the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children. Our goal is to foster diverse storytelling by helping individuals like you awaken to the storyteller within. Magical Times in the Forest with Randolph Roots and Naughty Foot. Welcome, everybody. Listen, listen. Can you hear? It was about the time between Halloween and Thanksgiving. The time of the year when the leaves turned from golden and red into just brown and black. And they don't look so happy anymore. Well, it was a blustery day in the woods. Naughtyfoot woke up in the morning, scampered up the tree and had to hold on to the branches so he wouldn't be blown off. Yoo-hoo! He liked it when it became very windy and he was hanging on to the branch, swinging to and fro. When all of a sudden, out of the blue, there came a witch. Now she happened to be on a broom, flying with the wind, having herself a great time. Unfortunately, she did not really watch out where she was flying, and she bonked into Naughtyfoot. Kaboom! Both of them got knocked off. The things they held on to, the branch and the broom, and both of them fell down and landed right in front of Randolph's door. Whew, Randolph woke up. It was still early morning, and he came out to see what happened, and there lay his friend Naughtyfoot and the witch, who was actually his friend. Hmm. Whoops, you guys. I've been playing a little bit too wild, he said. I think I better brew some acorn tea. Randolph knew that Naughtyfoot and the little witch also had the power to just get back on their feet after they pretended that they were stone dead. Because Naughtyfoot liked to actually sometimes jump from way up high and just pretend that he was stone dead. He thought it was funny. Randolph did not necessarily think it so funny, but he learned to know his friend well enough. And he also knew the witch for many, 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 many years. And he knew that perhaps she had flown into Naughtyfoot on purpose. She liked to do sometimes these kind of things. She was not your ordinary witch that worked with precision. In fact, she oftentimes ran into things, and she had learned to fall quite well. Now, Randolph thought to himself, well, a good time to fall is the fall, because in the fall the leaves are falling, and the witches are falling, and the squirrels are falling. And as he told himself that little story inside of his little gnomey head, he was just laughing to himself. It's a good time to fall. 
and then he even dropped himself onto the ground before he picked up his little teapot with acorn tea and a few pumpkin muffins that he had made. And he brought them outside onto the tree stump and he's like, all right, everybody, wake up. Time for acorn tea and pumpkin muffins. Oh, well, goodness, said the little witch. I'm glad you're still baking and cooking, Randolph. I'm afraid you would be so old that you couldn't move anymore. Well, says Randolph, I'm taking good care of myself. I'm not falling out of the sky as often as you do. I'm actually watching out for my body. Naughtyfoot said, and I'm staying young forever because I jump and jump and jump and I will jump even when I'm a hundred years old. Ho, ho, said the witch, even when you're a hundred years old. Well, I shall come around to see how old are you now. Oh, I'm only thirteen, said Naughtyfoot. Oh, thirteen, that's a good age to be. Well, said Randolph, for a squirrel, maybe. I'm a bit older than that. I know, said the witch. You probably can't even remember how old you are. That's how old you are. Yep, you're right, said Randolph Roots. That's how old I am. I can't even remember how old I am. The witch started to laugh. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, I do remember how old I am. I'm 325. Oh, my goodness, said Naughtyfoot. That's pretty old to be falling off your broom. You should be knowing how to fly by now. Well, I'm just a different kind of witch. I like to bonk into things and fall off my broomstick, and I always have. When I was very young, I would oftentimes get into trouble with the older witches who said, a witch must know how to properly fly on a broom. And I decided that it was too hard. And then I realized how much fun it was to fall off your broom. Oh, my goodness. And one time I even fell into a huge pile of cow dung. Ooh, that sounds terrible, said Naughtyfoot. I wouldn't want to fall into cow dung. Well, it's nice and soft and warm when it's fresh. I guess so, said Naughtyfoot. And Randolph is like, shall we have some tea? Let's have some nice acorn tea and a little bit of muffin. Oh, yes, said the witch. Enough of my silly tales. I like your silly tales, said Naughtyfoot. Can you tell us another one? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not a good day for tales. After all, you didn't seem to like the smell of the cow dung story. Oh, please, tell us another story. Randolph Roots was wrinkling his eyebrows and his nose, and he's like, hmm, maybe you could tell us a story that's not quite so smelly. Perhaps you have a story that's tasty. A tasty story indeed, said the little witch. Well, let me think back. It was about when I was 128 years old. Ah, those were the good old days. Well, when I was 128 years old, I flew into the village on my broomstick. 
Now, you must know I always choose the most blustery days when people go inside their houses and they close their shutters and their doors. That way they won't see me. Well, on my 128th birthday, when I flew into the village on the blustery fall day, it happened to be Halloween. And there I saw that everybody was inside, but not the pumpkins. The jack-o'-lanterns, they were all outside, and I decided to have myself a little fun with them. And I called the jack-o'-lanterns with my magic wand, and I said, Ho, 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 gather round, my dear friend Jacks. Let's have a little fun. And all the pumpkins came rolling and gathered in a round circle. And I told them, how about I turn you all into a gigantic pumpkin pie? I don't want to be a pumpkin pie, said the biggest one. I'd rather be a pumpkin cookie, said the littlest one. I'd rather be a pumpkin bread, said one of the most nicest looking ones. Well, I thought to myself, they have so many opinions, there is no way I can make it right for everyone, because, you see, I was only 128 years old, and when you're only 128 years old, you can't have so many spells that you can do so many different things. You, in fact, you just have learned how to do one big thing. So I decided to turn them into a big gigantic jack-o'-lantern and I didn't even ask I waved my wand and I said hocus pocus feedy puss into a gigantic jack-o'-lantern you will turn ah oh, you know how good it smelled once I flew through the big gigantic eye that was like a giant window I flew right into it and talking about tasting well I guess I didn't taste it. I only smelled it. Sorry, Randolph. I know you wanted a tasty story. Maybe. Let me see. Oh, that's right. I remember. Well, I was only 128 years old, you see. So I had flown into the pumpkin and when the wind stopped, the villagers all came out of their houses and they looked for their jack-o'-lanterns. They wanted to light them because it was evening by now, but they couldn't find it. Instead, they found this gigantic jack-o'-lantern in the middle of the village square. And the mouth of the jack-o'-lantern was so big that they thought it was a door. And they went inside. Ooh, what is this? The children thought their parents had done some magic for them because they didn't see me up high. I was flying and hovering above on the ceiling of the pumpkin, hiding between the strings and the seeds. But the adults, they were very pleased to hear their children thinking they had done it. And they are like, yes, aren't we great? We have done some nice Halloween magic for all of you. All the adults they didn't want to admit that they didn't know how that had happened. And so they all took pride in having made this gigantic jack-o'-lantern. And I thought to myself, well, well, I shall teach these adults a lesson. 
the children had started to nibble on the seeds and said, Oh, these seeds, they taste so good. They are as giant as loaves of bread. Hmm, they want to eat, I thought to myself. And one more time, I used all of my little 128-year witch power. And I said, one, two, three, turn this jack-o'-lantern into a pumpkin pie. But because everybody was inside of the jack-o'-lantern, they all ended up becoming part of the pumpkin pie. All of a sudden, they were stuck in the squishy, gooey pumpkin filling. Oh, it's so sweet that the children started eating and digging tunnels, licking the sweetness of the pie filling. Because I have to say, even I was only 128 years old, I was quite a good baker. And if you're a good baker and you put a spell on a jack-o'-lantern, you can make a good pie. In fact, that's all it takes. You don't even need eggs or anything else. Just a good spell. The adults, in the meantime, oh, they were worried. What if we get stuck in this mess? And they started to break down the crust on the outside. But their children were so happy that once the adults all made it out of the pie and they stood with their feet on the ground and felt secure again, they all started clapping their hands and at that moment, I flew up, ran off, I flew up over that pie and I showed myself and I was very proud to be such a good fine witch. And all the adults started to finally applaud and say, yay, hooray for the little witch that made a jack-o'-lantern and then a pie. And that moment, the children all looked up and said, Yay, hooray for the little witch. I was so proud of myself. <sighs> Naughtyfoot said, Little witch, could you turn this pumpkin muffin into a pumpkin pie? I like pumpkin pie better than muffins. Oh, I could, but that's not a big enough task for me. Well, can't you do little tasks? asked Naughtyfoot. <laughs> Randolph laughed. You know, I think the little witch is actually known to do quite big deeds, and she's also known that she has a, quite a hard time doing very little delicate deeds. Ah, Randolph, do you always have to tell them everything about me? It's a little bit embarrassing considering that I'm over 300 years old and that I still can't turn a little pumpkin muffin into a pumpkin pie. Oh, don't worry. You should by now have accepted that's just who you are. I guess you're right, Randolph. I should just accept that's who I am. Well, I have an idea, said Naughtyfoot. How about you turn this little pumpkin muffin into a gigantic pie and then we can have a party for all the animals in the forest? After all, now that it's really cold, we'd like to have a little bit of feast. And it's almost Thanksgiving. How about that? Well, well, said the little witch. <sighs> Let me think. I have to think what kind of spell I need for that. A tiny muffin. <sighs> That's easier than turning a tiny muffin into a tiny pumpkin pie. 
making a big pumpkin pie is much easier, but I would need a pond nearby. Do you have a pond nearby? I do. Naughty Foot said, come on, take the muffin along with you. And if you want to, you can sit behind me on my broom and show me the way. Randolph, you wait here. Perhaps you want to make a big pot of acorn tea because we'll make such a big pie that it will attract all the creatures of the forest. All right, said Randolph. I'll see if I can find a big pot. Oh, yes, you will. Go inside your kitchen. It will be right there. Oh, no, thought Randolph. I hope she did not turn my dainty little teapot into a big pot. But she did, and she had turned it into such a big pot that Randolph couldn't even reach the top. How am I going to make acorn tea, he thought to himself. Gotta be careful when you ask a witch for help. Well, in the meantime, Naughtyfoot jumped behind the little witch and said, Hey, can we fly and bonk into something and fall on the ground? It's so much fun. Yes, show me where the pond is. Wouldn't it be fun to fall into the pond? Oh, the pond is a little cold. Don't worry, it's going to be fun. So the little witch took Squirrel Naughtyfoot. And together, they flew down to the pond. Once they were on top of the pond, Naughtyfoot said, here we are. And kerplump, the little witch made the broom slide out from beneath their feet and they plunked into the water. There they were, swimming, almost thinking like, oh, it's so cold. Isn't it fun, said the little witch? Just keep breathing. <sighs> Naughtyfoot came out of the water and shook himself off. All right, I think I lost the muffin in the pond. Oh, perfect. That's just what you needed to do, said the little witch. And just at that moment, she cast her spell. And you wouldn't believe what she did. Might not have been such a good idea, but she turned the pond into a gigantic pumpkin pie. Naughty food is like, oh, that's a great pie, but where's the pond? Well, I had to use the pond to turn it into a pie. You can't turn a, a muffin into a pie without having a pie crust. I thought that the pond would make a great pie crust. Naughtyfoot was worried. Maybe, maybe that was a wrong idea. Can you, can you turn it back? We need water. No, all you can do is invite all your friends and eat up all the pie, and then the pond will fill itself again. Naughtyfoot was a little bit worried that he had made a wrong decision, and he quickly scampered up to Randolph's house. Randolph Roots was in his kitchen, scratching his little beard, thinking to himself, how am I going to fill this pot? How am I going to make a fire? But just then the little witch fell right off her broom and bonked down onto the ground in front of his door. Randolph Roots came out and said, little witch, this does not do. I cannot make acorn tea in this big gigantic pot and I would like to have my little teapot back. Oh, Randolph, don't be so serious. Of course. But the little witch realized she didn't know how to turn this big teapot into a little teapot. 
I guess I have to wish for a new teapot for you. She waved her wand, and you wouldn't believe it, an even bigger teapot started to show up outside, luckily not indoors, otherwise Randolph wouldn't even have fit into his house anymore. And Randolph went outside and said, Oh, little witch, I'll have to just go to town and get myself another little teapot. But in the meantime, how about let's have a feast and make a big pot of acorn tea with my witch magic, because this pot is big enough that I can do it. Naughtyfoot came and tapped Randolph on the shoulder. Randolph, she turned our whole pond into a pumpkin pie. Now we don't have any water. Oh. She said we have to eat up the pumpkin pie so the pond fills up with water, but it's so big. And now she made this gigantic pot, and I don't know, Randolph, she might be trouble. I think we should we should tell her to go away. No, that's not how you want to deal with her. She is too old and too sensitive. We have to eat up the pie, we just have to call everyone, and we drink the tea, and we thank her, and then she will depart, and she will be happy and fine. And we'll get our pond back and hopefully I will get another little teapot. So Randolph rang the bell and called all the forest creatures to come for a gigantic feast. And all the forest creatures came running from everywhere. The fox and the bear, the raccoon and the skunk and the owls and they came from above and below and in the ground off to the pond said randolph when randolph called all the animals always listened and even the fairies came they all went to the pond and said oh my what is this oh it's a pumpkin pie have a happy feast day said the little witch flying above and in case you need some tea, there is some yummy acorn tea outside of Randolph's door, a whole big pot full. The animals, they looked at each other and they all thought, hmm, we like pie, but we do like water even more. Randolph said, you must eat all the pie so we can get our pond back. And so all the animals started feasting. They started to gobble up the pie until there was nothing left and the little witch was happy flying over their head until she lost her balance and fell right down smack into the last bit of pie that was left everybody laughed around her all the animals said cheers for the little witch <sighs> i'm getting tired after all i'm over 300 years old i must go home now once you finish up the pie, the pond will fill up with water again. You have not to worry. And Randolph, once the pot of tea is empty, it will turn again into a tiny teapot, the one that you like so much. Randolph looked at the little witch and he said, Well, thank you for paying us a visit. Every year when you come by, there is something in store. We like to have your company. Naughtyfoot said, yeah, thank you for coming by. The little witch laughed and said, all right, Randolph, can't wait to see you next year. 
And naughty food, look forward to bonking into you again. All the animals slowly watched the pond filling up with water again. And Randolph came home and his teapot, now that it was empty, turned into a tiny teapot again. And that evening, him and Naughty Foot sat by the fire and they talked about what a strange day it had been. And yet also, how magical. The end. Hi, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the story. This is season two of our podcast, and we're doing it a little differently. Here's how it works. A story comes first, so that listeners with little children can access them easily. In just a second, you'll have a chance to listen to part two, where Silka and I give a little background and perspective on the story. Our goal is to inspire you. We love telling stories, but we love it even more when you feel empowered to tell your own. You may find inspiration in the stories. You may find something of value in the discussion. Whatever strikes you, let that be your guide to opening your own voice, like a beautiful flower blossoming after a long drink in the summer sun. Hey, Silka, that was a very sweet story. Thank you for sharing. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I have some ideas about some of the events uh, in that story, but but really, I just like to hear your inspiration there, especially with the little witch. Yeah, what meaning did she bring to that story for you? I brought in the little witch because she brought in somewhat fun and excitement. She's, she represents a big part of me as well, running into a naughty foot that could be me. <laughs> Um, and I think in the fall of the year, you know, the children, oftentimes they think about witches. And so, um, in past days we would think of the witches, uh, you know, scary. And so I bring her actually in as this being that, um, even though she's very old, she has never learned how to properly fly. And making a little bit fun of that. And in it, I can say I make even a little bit fun of my own aging and this continuous accepting oneself for who we are and how Randolph comes in as the wise one who doesn't judge that but has room for it. He's old enough. And then Naughty Foot, he is the representation of the young, innocent one who... Uh, is a little bit confused by, well, if she's that old, she should know better. So the three characters are this representation of beings within my own self, and I believe that everybody can in themselves identify with those characters in some ways or other. Yeah, that's you know, it's interesting. It's something that I've noticed, especially as we've gone into this season too is that I suppose it's obvious but it's interesting how much that comes up that you know while we're we're focused on telling stories to children <laughs> in a lot of ways we're telling stories to ourselves or about ourselves mm -hmm. we're exploring our own inner personalities and thoughts 
in our stories and how how powerful that is to be able to do that. Do you feel like this story gave you some perspective that way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me as a storyteller, it's a story of self-acceptance of uh, basically having these imperfections even in my aging body. And you can hear it even in the recordings how my language is not always precise and I'm stumbling sometimes over words or sentence structures and I'm a native German speaker and so um, I think everybody can hear my accent quite strongly and so it always takes a little bit this courage to overcome one's own doubt and to say well let me just see if I can have fun in the story then I can bring that story across to the audience as well and I can let go of uh, judging myself too harshly about how the story comes across. Yeah, I'm curious if you have any ideas or advice for anyone who might be listening about ways to access that within themselves. You know, How can we turn that uh, sometimes maybe that self-doubt or self-judgment or uncertainty around and find that story that speaks to ourselves, yet maybe is playful, is fun. Yeah, any ideas? Yeah, I think you have to develop a character and it will be in the story. I mean, in this story, you could just uh, see it in the character or hear it in the character of the witch that's certain things she just can't do or certain things she would do, she's doing wrong. And in it, I'm kind of letting myself a little bit off the hook. And I have to do that. I have to develop a character that allows me to do that. Because Randolph is that wise old mountain gnome. I can't turn him into that. He is the voice of wisdom of the elder. And Naughtyfoot, he too is a playful, he has more the innocent child quality. So... Sometimes, you know, in the different seasons in, in this particular story, I thought, well, we're so close to Halloween, so the witch is actually something I could relate to that. And I, I love flying. I love falling. And so I actually had to take something also that I love to do. And so that flying and that falling and that bonking into something and feeling even that excitement, it also connected me to my childhood jumping from a second story hay barn into the hay you know sometimes yes you might land in cow dung and then you laugh about it and so I could connect it to a childhood memory also that was joyful Mm. yeah interesting you know what it makes me think of is um, a couple things you know one is one is just something you talk about a lot which is kind of using different archetypes in your stories you do that a lot And it also makes me think of your puppet suitcase, which is one of the most interesting things. I've never encountered anybody else that has a puppet suitcase, but I've seen it come out so many times. And the characters who each each puppet has a certain character for you and how in telling a story through their eyes, in fact, I sometimes even see them show up in your stories, even when when it's not a puppet show. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> and um, I see how engaged you are with that. 
And I think that's an interesting thing to explore because I think sometimes as, as adults, we often think that we are this, um, let's say, sort of monolithic person. You know, I'm, I'm Joe and this is, this is who I am and how I am. But when we give room to ourselves to explore these different voices in ourselves, like you said, the wise voice, the young, maybe naive voice, maybe this sort of foolish, bumbling voice, maybe even some of the heavier or darker voices, you know, the, the fearful voices maybe, or even the greedy or something voices that when we, when we give room to explore those things, we, we're exploring that in ourselves. Right. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes say that if if I let all of my puppets out of the suitcase and I use each of them in talk, one could maybe say, wow, Sulka has many multiple personalities, <laughs> which is a scary thought. But the thing is, having been raised in a village with many different human beings around me, it's so easy for me to imitate the voice of the policeman who gives harsh orders. It's like, you sit down right now. And uh, or the, um, even the witch, I could picture actually characters in my village that are life human beings. So as a young child, being uh, continuously around a lot of human beings and me being fascinated by them and watching them, how they're all so different. It helped me to develop my characters in my puppet shows. And I love bringing the devil out. I love bringing out the wizard and even the policeman. And there will always be that one who makes fun of them. Mm -hmm. And that making fun of them is like, it's the fool. And, and the fool is like, oh, yes, you, you know, you're not going to get a hold of me. Or he laughs about the policeman who gives such strict orders that in the end, the policeman has to laugh about himself. Mm-hmm. And it helps me not to take myself so serious because mm-hmm. sometimes I get stuck and I can be harsh on myself for not being able to follow the rules or there's always something that comes up even in my adult life where I'm like, oh, you should know better. And I could actually think about that fool that lives in the puppet suitcase who's like, oh, Silka, there we go again. Yeah. You know what I just realized? Yeah. There was a pumpkin pie. I didn't quite make that connection until just now. Because your story was about a pumpkin pie. Right. The witch had to come and make a pumpkin pie. Yeah. And she had to make it out of the pond. Yeah. And we had a pumpkin pie last week. (laughs) We did. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a little bit of humorousness around that around that situation i don't mean to draw too much attention to that but it hadn't occurred to me until this moment yeah and those things happen almost (laughs) without us thinking about it because when i do this intuitive storytelling something that has taken place in the last week or something i did will find its way into the story yeah yeah no i i I think that's a really interesting element, and it's something that I've joked with you before how, you know, the sequel to How to Tell Stories to Children is How to Tell Stories to Ourselves. 
And I, I think there really is something in that. I think that the processes are, are almost one in the same because that's what, especially this intuitive storytelling, right? If we're out there working with, you know, uh, fairy tales and other ancient stories or modern stories, whatever they might be, you know, that's, that's sort of working with things in a slightly different way, um, wonderful way. And of course, that's all reflected in, our, in ourselves too. But when we tell stories on the fly like that, Sometimes they're silly, sometimes they're, you know, they're all kinds of different things. It's very interesting to reflect on them, even just for ourselves, because, yeah, things come out. And I do also think, I see this with the kids, boy, who are becoming better and better storytellers themselves. I believe that the engagement with regular stories and storytelling at the very least, it models to them this skill, you know, doing it. And if we're doing it in such a way that that is kind of creating space and allowing ourselves to just explore, explore where we're at in the moment, well, in this moment, I, I kind of I feel a little bit connected with this sort of bumbling witch character, for example, um, or whatever it might be. Even without that explicit instruction, the kids get that modeled to them and they absorb it. And, you know, I, I honestly don't know, but my hope is that it, it sort of, it gives them permission. It encourages them to explore that inner story for themselves. That's something that, that I at least feel deeply connected with in all this storytelling work, because I do believe that these inner stories that we have about ourselves, of who we are. I, I believe that those things do live in the story realm and that uh, stories can have a, a certain powerful grip on us. And it's beautiful sometimes when we recognize that so that we can free ourselves from their grip and shift that story a little bit. And one way we can do that is by just giving ourselves permission to the, tell the story that's just in us in the moment. Um, there's something beautiful, something innocent, uh, something healing sometimes in it. Yeah, and you can always open the door to let somebody into your story who you might not be so comfortable with. When you do that, you want to make sure you have some characters that you are very comfortable with. They'll help you to uh, basically embrace the new. So if you are, for example... Let's say if the policeman would be a difficult character, which is a puppet in my suitcase, then uh, you know, bring out um, two other puppets that you are really in tune with. And then you can allow yourself to make some mistakes or actually experience what is it like to bring in, you know, the one who sets the rules. What if that policeman comes in and says, are you wearing your mask? Because if you don't, then I will throw you into the dungeon. And so it can help you even to work with your like COVID fear. And you can also turn the policeman into an into a character who's like, well, I came to bring you a mask because dear little witch, even you are required to wear a mask. Oh, dear me, I'm supposed to wear a mask, but I'm flying so high, there's no virus up there. Well, we will not have a discussion about that. 
And you can see that even the topic of the pandemic, when I take it into this storytelling realm or the puppetry realm, it's more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I can also give messages in the stories. Yeah, rather than kind of being kind of locked into one story or one character, you know, exploring some of those themes and some of the disagreements we might have even within our own selves. Yeah, and for me, I think the years of working with the puppets has really helped me to work with different voices because the kids can't see me and I'm behind the puppet suitcase and I have different voices. You know, and if you listen to my stories, sometimes the voices come out stronger than other times. But um, it's a practice to also use your voice to create different characters. What do those characters sound like to you? Because the world is sounding to you totally different than to me. They might even have an accent. And so you can play around with your voice. And that's actually really fun. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. Is there anything that, anything else that you wanted to leave us with? I would just encourage everybody, if you have Thanksgiving gatherings or other holiday gatherings, to, you know, explore a little bit with storytelling. You could even put a story soup on the table. And whoever gets the stone in the story soup Or you could put something in the soup like a long carrot or a certain shape of a potato. Whoever gets it in the bowl, they get to either request a story or they get to tell a story. Yeah, there's ways to go about that. But to invite that story in, just pretend that you're putting it on your your dinner table as part of the meal. And that way you're inviting the story in. And it can be so fun for the children in particular and for the grown-ups too. Mm. Yeah, Thanksgiving such a great time to gather with family and friends and just share those stories around the table. Yeah, thank you, Silka, and wishing all of our listeners a beautiful Thanksgiving, beautiful story in your day. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. Have fun. Thanks for listening to How to Tell Stories to Children, a bi-weekly podcast from the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children, now in 19 languages. Our goal is to help parents, teachers, and grandparents connect heart-to-heart with kids. You can find this podcast as well as upcoming webinars, events, our blog, stories, and more at howtotellstoriestochildren.com and on our Facebook page. You will also find the entirety of Season 1, which gives more background and perspective on a variety of storytelling topics. You can also submit questions and ideas. We like to hear from you. If you value this podcast, we invite you to consider making a contribution to keep it alive. The proliferation of free podcasts, articles, and resources on the web makes it easy to forget that real people are behind the work. It means a lot to us when you take the time to rate and review our book, this podcast, or share it with a friend. And if you're able, your financial gifts at patreon.com slash 
How to Tell Stories to Children, make it possible for us to continue calling out the storytelling voice in other parents, teachers, and grandparents. Together, we can spread the intimacy and joy of storytelling one family at a time.